and welcome to another edition, episode number 38 of the Lab Epstein Ding Podcast. Jim here, alongside my friend, co-host, former coach, professional evaluator, successful business owner, and a man with a great head of hair, Jake Epstein. <laughs> Good morning. I only say that because you complimented me on how well I look today. Yeah, you do. Well, I need to visit the guy that trims up the hair a little bit, but you know what? Winter, wearing a lot of beanies in Colorado this past yeah. week. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's all good. I mean, it's not man bun length or anything crazy like that. I did have some bad hair days, you know, in the early, uh, I would say the mid, you know, like 2000s, close to 2010. It wasn't a good look for me. So you know, I try to try to keep it a little trimmed up nowadays. Look no, presentable. I'm, I'm Italian, as you know. I'm wondering, hmm. I don't know. Maybe the slick back look. Well, that would be yeah, important. yeah. I went through that too. That was more the college. Okay. Hmm. I had I had a lot of Italian roommates, so I had to keep up with them. I think that uh, one of these days, you and I should just both slick our hair back, yeah. um, and look like two Italians just talking, hitting, on, yeah, on a podcast. So that's well, what I think we was, should do one day. It was funny. I I had a pop up on Netflix or something and it said Goodfellas uh, mm-hmm. has been added to your you know your list I'm like of course it has because it's mm-hmm. one of the greatest movies ever and I so agree. I don't know I clicked on it I had like 10 minutes and I watched the first 10 minutes of it mm-hmm. yesterday mm-hmm. and I I love it yeah like it's such a great movie and when he comes home with little you know young Henry comes back and he says hey mom how do I look and he's got like a suit on and he's got his pointy-toed shoes you know <laughs> and she's like oh my god you look like a gangster yeah i've been uh i, I was just telling you off the air i was watching uh, a um special on john bonnet ramsey um the girl who was killed many years ago she was my age actually um in boulder colorado and i've been watching uh, i don't know what it is i, I watched uh, a documentary on gang violence in the 70s and 80s last week i watched a a documentary on mob violence uh, I watched The Godfather recently. I'm on like this Ooh. this crime kick. Not that The Godfather is crime completely, but I'm on this like just this kick of watching these crime documentaries and show. I don't know what yeah. it is. I I don't get it. I, I'm just going through that one of my phases, my early year phase, I guess. Yeah, or it could just be the world we live in is brainwashing you into you know thinking there's a lot of violence and you're trying to get in on it. Maybe. I'm, I'm not yeah. trying. I don't know about. I don't know about trying to get in on on the violence. Um, Psychologically, I of, though. You're- you know, you're getting brainwashed. Right? But a lot of people don't know this about me. I think you may you may know this about me. I watch a lot of um, not so much 2020, but I watch a lot of Dateline, a lot of a lot of Dateline. I love that show. Absolutely love it. Um, I watch it on the uh, own. Now, I'm guessing that's the Oprah Network, I think the own network. Uh, I don't know if I should be admitting all this, and uh, this is going to come back. Probably to not, Jim. We probably just lost some listeners with that. But I, but I have a passion for like that that crime crime stuff. But I don't no, watch I don't watch CSI, so I don't. That's not <laughs> right. That's not the same thing to me. Yeah, we have our DVR has about forty hours, I think, of um, Dateline, which we never get to. Oh, we never great. get to, but it is. It's it's so addicting. But there's so many commercials. But some yeah. of the hosts or the reporters, they're they're actually the most entertaining to me. The white-haired yeah. guy, the older Keith. guy that makes mm-hmm. everything so dramatic, mm-hmm. might be one of the best characters ever. He should have like a Saturday Night Live skit. And I, I think I, you know what he, you know. It's a good it's a good thing you brought that up. He does Keith Morrison's his name, and yeah. he did he actually does have people who played him in the past on Saturday Night Saturday Night Live, <laughs> okay. and his um I looked this up one one night because he is my favorite host too. Um, yeah. and him, he pays sometimes paired with, um, the, the lady, I forget her name, the blonde haired, uh, woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, she's in the, you know, she's in the beginning of the, of the episode. And then the, at the end, the hard open or the hard close, but, um, his, his, his nephew is, I don't know if you ever watched the show friends. His nephew is, um, Matt, Matt, um, Chandler, whoever Chandler, whoever plays the actor Chandler, oh, I forget his name. Perry. Yes. That's yeah. his, that's his nephew. There you go. Yeah. He is, but you know, he is my, uh my favorite uh by the way uh i didn't get to this last week and i want to ask you it's kind of a stupid question but uh major league baseball is thinking about doing this uh, and there's another rule a couple of rules that came out this week 
uh, about uh, what Major League Baseball plans to do in 2021, and we'll get to that in a second. But the NHL uh, just started back up, thank God. Um, and mm-hmm. they've got so hopefully they'll have fans in the stands very soon. But um, the NHL division naming rights uh, are now into effect. And I saw that on, on TV this week, watching a couple of games, how they were highlighting the divisions and they had the, the mm-hmm. uh, sponsors underneath. I want to to know your thoughts on that becoming a reality in baseball, if it does. I know it's kind of a stupid question, but I'm surprised with how many people out there from what the research I've done actually have an opinion on it. I I could couldn't care less, but I some people think it's just, again, messing with the game, I guess, and, and among other things. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I have an opinion one way or the other. You know, I go back and look at all the baseball, the Ken Burns, you know, baseball stuff and the giant billboards you know of like valentine beer you would see them just yeah. plastered all all over all over the place so mm-hmm. yeah i don't know i watch a lot of golf and those guys have a, you know every every part of their their bags got something the front of their hat their side mm-hmm. of their hat their lapel the you know the shirts so I, I guess i'm i'm accustomed to that baseball you know i'm looking at that uniform and you know, if they start throwing stuff on the uniform, I don't know. I might, I might have a different. Uh, so you're not for the uniform part. You're, you're not for the stuff being thrown on the uniform. I don't think so. Okay. I how really about don't. the, okay. How about the, uh, I'm actually for that, but I don't really, yeah. again, I don't, it's not that I'm for it. I, I don't really, I guess I don't care. It wouldn't bother me, I guess, yeah. because I've seen it done before. I think they do it overseas. I think they do it in Mexico and the Mexican baseball mm-hmm. league. Um, what about this is something I mean, if it, if it said Chico's bail bonds, then I think I would be okay. If it said Chico's bail bonds on the back or it said, or if it said the, um, online Epstein online. Yeah, that, that might be good. I'm sure that's in my budget to (laughs) put that on a Yankees pinstripe Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) I I think, um, uh, teams, I don't know why they don't do this more. They're starting to roll this out, but having the sponsors, or a logo on the, the tarp. I don't know why teams don't yeah. do that more. I guess because maybe it doesn't rain enough or um, it's not. They cut away enough. maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that, I think baseball's done a really, last year they did a, there, there were so many ads like on the back of the mound, mm-hmm. right? You would yeah. see some kind of logo that would change every time that they just put in there or mm-hmm. Um, you know, behind home plate, that one's always, you know, so I think you're getting, you're getting visibility from TV, which is what you need, right? Because yeah, it's yeah. not like the people are at the games right mm-hmm. now. So yeah, I don't know if I would touch the uniforms with anything, anything too big right now. I don't okay. know. That's just me. I mean, maybe if you wanted to throw a patch on the sleeve, mm-hmm. and everyone had the same patch. Yeah, I think I would be okay with that. But right. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't even like sometimes you get all the playoff patches on the hats, you know, then the hats look all, I don't know. You got yeah. a lot of crazy stuff. Well, that would cost a company a lot of money though, too. I, I'm not really taking that into effect or effect because you, 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 you see that patch and that logo. Um, that's the first thing you see yeah. on the uniform. When you think about it, I mean, that's the first thing you see when you're watching it on TV, you see that patch on their uniform. Yeah. Oh. Well, we'll see what happens. I, I think the players' union is is too strong for that. I think the owners will be like, "Yeah, right, NASCAR this thing up, no problem." Right. Yeah, no, Let's make no up for the lost revenue in 2020. Yeah, yeah. you know, but um, the players' union, I'm sure will. Also, yeah. I, I I can't remember. We we discussed this um, earlier in the summer. I can't remember if you were for or against it. Um, but the from what I've read, the in 2021, the rule of the extra inning rule of the runner at second base is coming back and they're doing this is and this is i don't i don't like this that i don't mind as much i can tolerate it one more year or mm-hmm. i guess i can I, I guess i can get used to it um but this is one i don't like they're doing seven inning double headers even if it's a day night double header i think they're doing seven inning double headers i don't like that i like the traditional and i know players don't like it and i know a lot of people don't like it sometimes i don't really uh, like it or wouldn't like it but i think it's some it's tradition it's it's something that you know you have to you have to get you you have to just you have to get through it and i like the nine inning game starting at one and then the nightcap seven nine inning game starting at seven now they're saying that the double headers are going to be seven innings long and i add i'm gonna on the record now i'm sorry i ab in the minor leagues it's okay but right now at the major league level i'll saying it now i absolutely hate it um y- 
I'll tell you what I would hate is a is a day night double header. <laughs> that just and that's seems like, I understand that. Yeah, right. Like that, you just get that off the schedule. So they're trying to, you know, they're not making the gate. So there, there's no reason to have, there's no reason to have new gates. You know, two new gates or something like that. You know, a, a split where they clear out the stadium and bring it. As a player, you lose everything. You know, sometimes in college, a doubleheader is pretty cool because you get the, you know, the other guys that don't get to play as much, right? The backup mm-hmm. catcher gets to gets to play that second game, and that's yeah. that's pretty fun. You know, I feel like pitching is really going to get depleted when you start throwing double headers out there. Yeah, um, your yeah. bullpen is is going to feel that. So, what is the? I, I guess I'm not up to speed on how many of those are those scheduled double headers or those double headers they're throwing in because we're losing games of COVID. If there's an outbreak, something like I that. I think, but I think all of the above. Yeah, yeah. I mean, scheduled double headers. I think are just you know. I guess if that's if we're playing a 162 game season, I don't think there's a need for that. Mm-hmm. I, I think they, you know, if they're going to go to a regular season, as far as making up games two sevens, yeah. I guess you. I guess I'm for it because you got to do what you got to do to get the games in. But so you're begrudgingly for it. I'm begrudging. I, I wouldn't be for a double a seven inning double header if it was yeah. scheduled. Like, hey, on uh, you know May 15th, we're going to have a, a double header. You know, mm-hmm. but if it's like, hey, we had an outbreak, we got to make up these games. I think that's probably a smart thing to do just to mm-hmm. save some some pitching and and some wear and tear on the bodies. If you yeah. can save, you know, a third of a game. I don't know. I I I hope it doesn't extend past 2021. I, I yeah. personally, I just I hate it. Yeah, I'm more of a, I'm a traditionalist in that way. I just I, I I'm I'm open to new ideas, but I, I hate this seven inning game stuff. Even yeah. in college, though, they do two. If they're they doing do. a double header, they do Sundays. two. They do two. Don't they do two? Two sevens. Now. Do they two two sevens? I thought they do. Yeah. two nines. I thought. OK, Mm-mm. well, I'm not I'm not for it. I'm on the record of saying that, but OK, oh, sorry about that, everybody. Uh, I know some people are cheering that, but saying it's shorter, but, and players certainly love it too. I'm just, I'm not. Players definitely love it. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, they do, they do, um, they do get the owners and teams. They do get extra revenue when they do day night double headers. That's why they love it so much. That's why they're always for it. Players are not obviously, but that's why the owner, they do those two gates and they get that little bit of extra revenue from what I've read. Um, there was a Reggie Jackson quote I want to uh, pass along to you here that I found. Uh, I didn't get to it last week, and uh, I want to give it to you now, and I want to kind of get your thoughts on it. It's an interesting quote. Uh, he says, there are three kinds of advantages that the pitcher and batter can test. There's the physical advantage, the strategic advantage, and the psychological advantage. And we've touched on all of those things, just use different terminology on previous episodes, um, and he goes on to say, I didn't want two out of the three. I wanted them all. So that's just kind of goes to show you what kind of stone cold killer of a hitter Reggie Jackson was. But that's an interesting way. He's thinking about hitting an interesting prism there. He's, he's basically looking at it through the lens of three different avenues that a successful hitter, I think, must have. But oftentimes, kind of especially with the younger guys and gals overlooks when trying to become a successful hitter and, and training for an upcoming season. Those are great. I mean, those are probably three attributes of any great athlete um, or great player. I mean, you could like a tiger woods, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. he's definitely got that psychological or he did that psychological approach Mm -hmm. when he would play players, right? There's gamesmanship that goes on pit member, Al Roboski, Sure. You know, coming out of the bullpen and blowing up the rosin bag, right? You know, I mean, he was intimidating, like he was trying to get that edge. Um, so you can, uh, I think that's a great quote. I don't think I've ever heard that quote, but mm-hmm. that is a, a, a great quote that it does. And, and everybody's different. I think, you know, you know, some people can get in the batter's box and, and command that respect or, and assertiveness. But if you do that too much, you piss off the pitcher. Right. right now the pitcher's right. like, well, screw this guy. I'm going to stick one in his ear, right? I'm going to bear down and really get after him. And my dad always used to say, you know, 
because he grew up watching Mantle, and I think we've mentioned this, you know, it looked like he was dragging his bat up to home plate. Like, he was very unassuming. Mm -hmm. He wasn't staring at the pitcher. He wasn't trying to intimidate anybody. He just wanted to get in the box and and get in his own safe space and let that pitcher kind of fall asleep to him. But if you give the pitcher a reason to bear down and shove it up your ass, Mm -hmm. you got real problems. Like, that's the last thing you want to do. So, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, I think everybody's different you know that would be more of a football mindset but you get you know and, and Reggie was a guy that was you know I'm gonna get in there and and, and do damage and and hit home runs and you know he, he was you know one of the earlier guys of I don't think he was a big bat flip guy but he was definitely somebody that watched his home runs mm-hmm. and that was his thing but he also up until recently I think he and Babe Ruth were the all-time strikeout leaders Right. Right. So there were times when pitchers probably did bear down, like, screw this guy. I'm going to get after him. Yeah. Hey, taking care of your mentals was just um, uploaded archived episode on YouTube, the full episode on our YouTube channel, the Eps- the lab Epstein hitting uh, YouTube channel. So you should go, I think, check that out now if you haven't done so already and check out our YouTube channel. But uh, in that we talked about having the psychological advantage as a hitter. And I want to just quickly touch on that. How do you avoid you want to get that psychological advantage, but sometimes you overthink trying to get that advantage over the pitcher. How do you avoid psyching yourself out as a hitter? Because you just mentioned with Mickey Mantle right there that he just, he drug his bat up to the plate and just went to, wanted to get into the box. It was very simple. Sometimes you, you with other guys, they have a certain walk. I see a hobby Baez when he goes up there, he has a certain walk as he walks to the plate. Other guys are a little more unassuming. Neither way is wrong, mm-hmm. but how do you avoid that? that um that risk of psyching yourself out when you get to the plate because if you do that then the pitcher has the advantage right there i I think we have to differentiate mental and psychological because mental Mm -hmm. is me having a plan what i want to do yeah psychological is i want to make that pitcher fear me Mm -hmm. i want to make him try to squeeze that fastball or snap that breaking ball a little bit more. So, you know, that's me going up to the, now psychological also me bias feels good about himself, right? I feel good. I'm walking up to the plate. My music's on. I'm peacocking a little bit, right? I got my chest out. I'm feeling good. I'm strutting up there. I'm in a hot streak. Maybe he's not in a hot streak. Maybe he's trying to feel like he's in a hot streak. So to me, that's the psychological approach which is going to be very, very different with each player. Now, the mental approach, I think, is, is more strategic to, mm-hmm. to that player, right? So whether it's, you know, Mantle, who's just kind of chilling out, walking up there, um, mm-hmm. or a Baez, who's a little more amped up, in their brain, they know what they're looking for, right? In their mm-hmm. brain, they have a plan. Well, the last time I faced this pitcher, you know, he got me out doing this, this, and this. I'm going to go ahead and sit and attack this zone and this speed until I have two strikes. So I think that's, you know, that's more the the mental side and the smart side and the the psychological side is, is maybe how you feel personally, Mm -hmm. feel great, or you are trying to put fear in the pitcher. I I honestly think that pitchers don't care. I I, I think pitchers are doing their job like hitters are doing their job. They have a plan. They're taught well. Now, you do have some pitchers that are more intimidating than others, mm-hmm. but I don't really think you're going to psych a pitcher out yeah. just by the way you look. Now, right. your presence and, you know, I mean, Reggie hit, you know, 35 home runs, you know, in the postseason or whatever, you know. So, I mean, he has this aura of, hey, man, this is a clutch guy. That's psychological right there. Yeah. But Reggie looking, looking at the pitcher with his, you know, Coke bottle, aviator glasses you know uh probably wasn't going to intimidate anyone yeah yeah you become when you try when you i think when you when you try too hard mentally to be something you're not then you just become a yeah. caricature of a hitter right i mean that's, that's right. pretty much what that's you're right doing. All right. Well, don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast for new episodes every monday morning at 9 a.m eastern time and we're available on apple google spotify and Tune in radio, the app, Pandora, and our YouTube page is up, of course. Um, the Lab Epstein hitting podcast with clips and archived episodes. So be sure to check that out and follow us on social media at Jim Tara at Epstein hitting on both Twitter and Instagram. The two worst platforms ever made. <clears throat> um, and also, um, if you go back in the archives, I'm sorry, Twitter and Instagram, but you, you do <laughs> suck. I, I do hate you. <laughs> 
wish you were never invented. Um, you want to re-listen to our mechanical breakdown series, um, follow along with the analysis on the Epstein hitting Facebook page. There's two separate things right there that you kind of have to do, but if you're interested and you want to listen to our mechanical breakdown series, we have one coming up very soon, um, a new one, um, then that's how you that's how you can go ahead and do it. We have a listener question um, that I want to pass along to you here, Ep, and it comes to us from Dominic via jimbopodcast21 at gmail.com. And Dominic writes, hi, Jim. Great show. This is the first time I am writing to you guys, and I wanted to get Jake to clarify something. I often see on social media different debates about when the swing actually starts. When Jake is teaching the swing and the proper technique, when does the swing actually start, in his opinion? Is it different for everyone? Does it matter the type of timing step or hip counter rotation? Thanks for answering. And that is from Dominic. Great question, Dominic. Thank you again for emailing us again. Jimbo Podcast 21 at gmail.com. That's a good question, Dominic. The people have different different ideas mm-hmm. uh, of when it, I know Don Slot, who's uh, been a big league hitting coach and is a really good hitting guy. You know, he says that the swing starts when the back elbow drops. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, you know, some, I usually tell people the swing starts when the front heel plants and the front hip starts to rotate. That's kind of when it's, it's go time. Now we can hesitate a little bit there if it's an off-speed pitch, but that's about mm-hmm. go time. The reason I don't like the back elbow move is because I work with so many youth players and I, I was doing a video the other day and the back elbow moves a lot of times before the front foot drops and before the shoulders rotate. Wait, can I, I'm elbow. sorry. Can I stop? Can yeah, I just yeah. stop you? What is the back? No, just, absolutely not. <laughs> just what is? That's it. Show over. Talk to you next week. What is? What is the back? What is the back elbow drop? I think some people are maybe might, might so, be a little confused by that. So if if the back elbow starts up, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's not against the it's not in the slot or it's not against the body. So mm-hmm. when it starts up and then you know if you watch most big leaguers, you know, slot is pretty much right. You'll see that front foot land and then the elbow comes at the same time and when the elbow comes the back shoulder comes at the same time mm-hmm. so it's kind of like i remember we we were at a, a convention together speaking and it may have been a softball convention um and so we were talking about that and i heard him and, and i picked up some really good things with his talk but it was you know he was big on the elbow and i'm like you know do you work with 12 year olds because that elbow is out of control and that elbow will drop before the body even starts to rotate where if it's done properly, the body starts to turn and the elbow moves at the same time. So Mm -hmm. for me, you know, if I'm, you know, just, you know, Dominic's asking me this question, I would say what you do prior to that left hip starting to rotate. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the left hip's going to start to rotate right about the time the front toe touches and the heel's about to plant. That's if when you're the a right-handed hitter. Going. Yeah, yeah. If you're if you're a right-hand hitter, your front think about your front foot, your front knee and your front <laughs> hip. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're everybody strides. Yeah. Whether it's a strike or a ball, you're well, everyone should stride. Right. It, it, everybody's going to load. So everybody's going to load. So we've talked about my load means I'm getting ready to step. So that doesn't really mean my leg kick yet. It's I'm getting ready. I'm starting to move. I'm starting to shift weight into my rear side. So that is whatever that has nothing to do with the swing. The stride has nothing to do with the swing, but when your foot's about at its peak during the stride, the highest point on its way down, that's when your brain's going to say, is this a strike or is it a ball? Is this one I'm going to swing or am I going to take? Am I just going to drop my foot? And if I just drop my foot, typically my front knee and my front hip doesn't open that much or it's go time. Now, all of a sudden, as my foot's on its way down, my front knee's going to start to open. My front hip's going to start to open. All of that should happen with our back elbow still in position, not dropped yet, still up and our back shoulder still up so that we have separation and torque. So to me, the swing starts with the opening of the, the front, uh, front knee and hip. So it doesn't start that with any way, stride or anything like that? Nope, not for me okay. because I, I feel like the swing, yeah. like the, the actual swing itself mm-hmm. starts there. Yeah. Um, the rhythm me, my pre-swing movements is what my dad would call them. Uh, mm-hmm. Pre-swing movements is everything that happens before the swing from your stance. So you have your stance, you're just sitting there rocking around, what's going on, feeling some rhythm. Sure. And then when you start to load into your back foot and take your stride, which is very different, he mentioned a hip coil, right? Or a hip cock, the front shoulder coming down. 
people call scalp loading. You can you can do whatever the hell you want to do. Yeah. That would be considered a pre-swing movement. That's me getting ready to swing. But when it's go time, so think about a bow and arrow. Like when does the bow and arrow release? Right. What is the start of that process? Is it putting the bow and arrow into the or putting the arrow into the bow and pulling it back, or is it upon release? So I would say the arrow is coming out. That would be shooting the arrow. Everything before that, loading that arrow would be considered a pre-swing movement. Okay. Yeah. And that's I, I, how I yeah. do my teaching. That's my teaching. I, I try not to mess around too much with a player style. I'll make suggestions. Mm-hmm. Hey, why don't you try this stride? You like an open stance? You like it closed? I'm not going to change that. That's not everybody's different. Jose yeah. Batista, right? You know, had like crazy stance. You know, Tony Fernandez had a crazy stance. Euclid had a crazy stance, whatever. Rizzo. But when they get to heel plant and they start to rotate and that swing starts, that's when all the commonalities really set in between most major league hitters yeah. or most most all hitters. And for the record, I agree with everything you're, you're saying there, but there is a lot of stuff out there that people say, well, the swing starts here. It starts the stand. I heard I saw that one time, too. The swing starts in yeah. the stance and it's and a lot of people will get that aren't you that <laughs> this this rich right. knowledge of hitting get will get confused. confused. Wow. Yeah, yeah, they'll get confused. So, all right. Anyway, uh, Dominic, good question. Thank you. And again, if anybody has questions, um, email us. Is it Dominic with a C or a K? Dominic with a K. I have a cousin named Dominic with a K. Maybe him. He didn't tell me where he's from. Oh, Hmm. I figured there would be, if it was Dominic, they would, the last name would end with a vowel. No, it's like Dominic with a K. I mean, his last name would end with a vowel. You know, like, I don't know. know. Yeah, Yeah. I didn't tell. Yeah, I didn't. I, you know what? I didn't, I didn't get his email. I don't want to say his email on, on the air, but. No, 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 no. But uh, I think he is Italian, yes. I, well, I think this is good. We're building in our our Italian base. That's right. That's right. First, the Dom, that's the first. He's like Dominic's. That's the first time Dominic has um has emailed us. It's like it's like right. in sports he, talk radio. I don't I don't listen to sports yeah. talk radio anymore. But like when the callers say, "Hey, first time caller, long time listener." Yeah. Sometimes yeah. I want to call the station one day and and just say, "Hey, um, first time listener, long time caller." <laughs> Flip it on. (laughs) Oh my God. I hate, I hate sports talk. All right. Well, thank you, Dominic, for that, uh, for that question. We do appreciate it. And before we get into our topic today, um, talking off season hitter meetings, I want to let everybody know I'm proud of this um, app, but we have a new listeners now um, in New Zealand. Our listenership in New Zealand has gone up. And I'm sure they're wondering, how do I get in touch with this guy who understands hitting and he seems to really know what he's doing and and he seems to give great lessons, but I'm in New Zealand and I can't, I just, I can't get to America. I probably don't want, they probably don't even want to get to America right now, but what do I do? What do I do? So I, I, I would suggest you go to the um, Epstein Online Hitting Academy.com or EpsteinHitting.com and the Online Academy, and you sign up for a membership. But I mean, you'd know better than me. I'm, maybe I'm wrong. It's absolutely, and, and uh, the nicest part is, you know, I uh, we speak the same language, you yes. know, New Zealand. Sometimes it's hard if, you know, I'm getting players uh, from, from Asia because mm-hmm. I have no idea how to communicate there right like that's a problem I have I would eat. but in New Zealand and most of Europe mm-hmm. you know I, I can uh, we can we can get it done so yeah absolutely the Epstein Online Academy send in your videos uh, we'll mark it up I'll get you a drill plan we'll get we'll get better I got another I always mention my boy Nick down there mm-hmm. hopefully he's listening in in uh geez I don't know what part of Australia the Gold Coast maybe Northeast yes. Australia is that considered the Gold that Coast? that is I had I had I had a family member who lived in Australia not too long okay. ago and he lived I think in the area you're talking about it's a pretty like good eastern baseball. part yes yeah and so he uh, uh, they sent me all the stats he went to an awesome sh- uh, they had like a little uh, showcase there and he sent me all his all his data they sent him from Rap Soto mm-hmm. and from Blast. And I'm like, buddy, you're locked in. And he's a gamer. Like, most importantly, the guy finds barrels. Like, he gets hits every single game. He's a good player. I think we mentioned him. He's going to school. Um, He's coming to go to school in the States. But, yeah, somewhere in Missouri. Yeah, Yeah. right. 
right. Yeah, and so he's. Uh, but I, I think he he wants to get. Uh, I think he wants to get signed. Mm -hmm. You know, I really do. I think I think that's his goal. And he plays for. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember uh, or the local scout down there is Dave Nielsen. I don't know if you remember him. He was, a, he was actually a big guy, big catcher for the Brewers. Probably in the late 80s, early 90s. Gosh, I hope I'm right. No, it was probably 90s. And he's an Australian-born guy, and so he kind of runs stuff down there. But um, anyway, they play good ball. In fact, I was working with a team the other night uh, in Denver, and they had at the facility, and, and they had an Australian baseball game on the Australian uh, Winter mm -hmm. League. That was pretty cool. That was pretty yeah. cool to watch. Mm -hmm. But most importantly, all those players should probably join the Epstein Online Academy. I agree. I agree. My my godson, my my family member took my godson to an Australian baseball league game when they lived there many years oh, ago. Oh, right on. So Australia is a little there's a little bit of a a pocket of, of baseball there in that country. Yeah. That yeah. is um that is pretty pretty predominant. Now, um again, everybody in Australia, New Zealand, America, just log on to epsteinhitting.com and you can log on to uh, and sign up for the Epstein Online Hitting Academy. And by the way, question, how do you connect with people who don't speak English on the Epstein um, Online Hitting Academy? Because you have players from all over. Yeah, I do. They either know someone that speaks English or they're able to um, translate the, the audio that comes through. So I, I don't do anything special for like that because there is a, a handful of uh, Asian players that send mm -hmm. stuff in and they probably they probably speak English. You yeah. know, or some sort of English. Um, for the drills, it's not a problem, right? Because we're demonstrating the drills, and I go through exactly how to hold the bat and where to put the bat and where the you know. So you could copy that. The analysis they can follow the lines, and I make it. You know, I, I use a little bit more graphics to make sure that they're seeing where the elbow is or where the hands are, where the front shoulder is. But I'm sure they have someone. Um, there. I don't have any special software. Okay, so again, and my uh, kids don't don't speak Chinese yet. I have them trying to learn uh, Mandarin. What about cool. Spanish? They learn Spanish. Of course, yes, Spanish. Spanish is good. I wish I, I I'm decent at Spanish. I can understand oh, Spanish. Hey, yo hablo español. Speak it great. Yeah. Yo hablo español. I speak that. I, I speak Spanish. You do. I do. I know. That's oh, your job, talked, man. We've talked about this before. Um, so again, log on to uh, EpsteinHitting.com and click on the online hitting academy to uh, sign up. It is a um, a great feature and um, it's not like uh, I, I have my my workouts where I get my workouts um, that's like an online thing too from a guy I'm gonna give him a plug here um, he has his own podcast as well Joe DeFranco uh, he does in-person uh, training and he's trained many athletes he he's actually a lot and he's in Florida a lot at the um, wrestling uh, academy what, what's it called uh, the W uh, WWE um, center there in orlando and he's down there down here a lot uh but he also has a huge online website that that you can get your workouts from you become what's called an insider a defranco insider i mean there you go really shilling for this guy here but um you're welcome joe we have listeners in every freaking country in this world but um in all seriousness the online epstein epstein online hitting academy is very similar to that so Go ahead and check that out. Okay, let's get into our topic episode number 38 of the Lab Epstein Hitting Podcast. And uh, uh, by the way, I think our tagline should be uh, the Lab Epstein Hitting Podcast, Finding Barrels. Yeah, I like to find barrels. That's what it's about. You can stand on your head and find a barrel. Yeah. I posted the other day on, on Twitter because, you know, we, you know we, love, we love Twitter. We do. And Instagram. We do, <laughs> but I posted uh, your boy Vlad Guerrero Jr. just hitting Saw like that. 10 10 balls, 15 balls right in the back of the cage, finding yeah. a barrel on every single one, not worrying about how high it was or how hard it was, just finding a baseball. So hard to find a barrel, it's so hard to find that small sweet spot. Maybe we should do more training to, to, to get our eyes and our yeah. barrel to coordinate together instead of trying to you know hit with our third and fourth toe digging into the ground there's some funky drills yeah yeah, yeah. just go Find back to the meat oh, potatoes I... right meat and potatoes yeah that was a great video you did tweet by the way at epstein hitting on twitter it was just so yeah. simple just he was he's black guerrero 
just so so very simple through the zone um yeah. episode episode 38 of the lab epstein hitting podcast fastest growing podcast uh, a hitting podcast that is on the market uh talking today about the um about off-season hitter meetings pretty much at every level and this stretches across professional hitters um working with their respective coaches in the off-season or their own coaches uh, away from facilities, um, college hitters, and even high school hitters as well. And the help they can kind of help structure their meetings with that instructor during winter training. Because we've said before that hitting is a conversation. I think all hitters starting high school up should have that open line of communication with their instructor and say, Hey, I want to work on this or um, just give feedback and have that conversation. I mean, do you agree with that? Your hitting coach and your player have to have a relationship like no other, um, almost like a psychiatrist you would have, you know, or psychologist. You, you have to trust. If, if your player trusts you as a coach completely, mm-hmm. then there will never be secrets and there will never be doubt in that player's mind. Now, how do you build that trust? you build it slowly. Um, when you meet a player for the first time, they aren't going to be like, wow, this guy is, you know, what a great reputation. He was a great player in the big leagues. He was, uh, he has a great online presence, whatever it is. You have to be able to connect to that player and, and, and show them what they're doing. And they have to believe you like this guy knows what he's talking about. This guy, he's not, he's not a lot of eye watch, right? Like he's really into helping me as a player. And that takes time. Like that doesn't take a week, you know, that takes a week of, Hey, if you want to come check this out, come check it out. Not, Hey, you're required to come meet with your hitting coach because if you create that kind of environment, it, it doesn't work. Yeah. So let's talk about professional hitter meetings and we'll start at the top of the pyramid and work our way down. Mm-hmm. Looking at it professionally, let's just take it from the scenario of a hitting coach that's employed by an organization all hitters obviously go away for the offseason. Some stay at the complex, whatever. Um, and some take a liking to certain coaches that they had, and they work with them throughout the entire year. How can you properly, if you're a hitting coach inside an organization that's being employed and paid by a major league organization on the player development side and the major league side, how do you go about making hitter meetings for players who are away from the facility and are working out on their own for the offseason period? You want to you want to have the conversation about what, you know how did you feel your season went mm-hmm. you know what 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 do you feel what were your strengths what were your weaknesses you know if we look at our spray charts it might say something like you were you really chased in this area mm-hmm. or you were very successful in this area but the pitch away you struggled with mm-hmm. and you know seventy two percent of the pitches you got were away but they weren't necessarily on the corner so let's see. Maybe we have a plan. Look, you, you should really focus and work on driving balls to right center field. Okay. Mm-hmm. So me as a player or as a coach, I have, there are ways that I would do that. Like, mm-hmm. this is how, this is the process. This is mechanically what we're going to do. Now, if we break down your swing, you know, Johnny, it's the reason you give away that is because your front shoulder spins a little early, right? You're focused on really you know, rotating fast. Well, that is great on pitches, middle, middle in, but pitches middle away, we actually have to decelerate our body or our body can't rotate as much. So that's what you need to work on. Whether or not he chooses to hear that information is up to him. Does Johnny want to have a job next year? Yeah. Right. I mean, that, that's what it comes down to. So Johnny, you know, this is, this is where, or, Hey, you had a great year. Let's work on maybe let, let's work on leaning out or getting a little bit stronger or getting faster or something like that. But, you know, I think the hitting's in a good place. So whatever you did last offseason, just continue to do that to grow as a hitter. So, sure. um, you know, but you're right. That player is going to go home and maybe dad's going to work with them, you know, mm-hmm. or maybe other players. So we had a player come back to the lab. That was a college player who worked with us for almost an entire year until he went to college, right? We opened in January. He went to college. Okay. So like eight, nine months mm-hmm. transformed this hitter um, into something that was much better. I know Matt spent a lot of time with him. I spent a lot of time with him and he goes and he has a great fall, yeah. you know, at, at his freshman fall at a D one program. And when they sent him back over break, they're like, Hey, don't let anybody work with you. 
Right. Like that, that was, that was the, the college coach's swing. And he's like, well, that was the person that got me. Like, that's why I had such a good, obviously he didn't say that, but he comes back in the lab. He's like, Hey, they didn't want me to listen to anything you say. So make sure you just, you know, just turn the machine on or just throw it to me. You know, he oh made a joke gosh. about it. So, yeah. so, you know, I, again, that's, you know, that's a different, so you, for me, I try not to create indifference between what I teach and, and maybe what his hitting goes, you know, I'll ask him, what, what do you work on? You know, what is it that you work on with your guy? Okay. Oh, we work a lot on rhythm. I love it. I love rhythm. You know, rhythm is rhythm. Oh, we work a lot on, you know, launch angle and creating more bat speed. You know, you're a mature human being that already hits the ball over the fence. Yeah. Like, do you really think that's the most important thing or should we maybe cut down on our strikeouts and maybe cut down on our, you know, spray chart, everything you hit on the right trajectory is to right center, but your power is to left field. Well, that's a problem. It doesn't do you any good to hit the ball 110 miles an hour to the pull side. If you top spin everything, cause you're swinging up too much. So, you know, maybe those are the kind of conversations you have for a player, like what matches the kind of player? How do you see the ball? Are you an early guy? Are you a late guy? Right. You know, maybe let's work on letting that ball travel a little bit more. Okay. Maybe let's let it travel an extra two or three inches just to retrain your brain and your eyes to work. Because I, I had a great couple of conversations with uh, Ryan Harrison about some of my players. So Ryan runs, slow the game down. His dad, we've talked about his dad, Bill was you know kind of the godfather of sports vision. Mm-hmm. And so when players have great swings that I work with and they struggle because they're always early, they pull balls foul or they're always late or they can't pull the trigger. It's either mental or vision, right? It's mental. They're freaking out. They're scared. They're tense. Okay. That's, you know, we got people for that or their, their vision is off and they're like, well, Jake, I don't wear contacts. I go to the eye doctor at school. I can read the 2020 line. Like, Oh, okay. Yeah. But how are those eyes working together? And sure enough, it's always the same thing. One eye is doing all the work. And so Mm -hmm. their depth perception and their tracking abilities is off. And as soon as we fix that, all of a sudden their contact points get better. So sometimes it's that you need to go see a vision specialist and make sure your depth. I know you see 2015, but let's make sure it's, you know, your front eye or your back eye is not doing all the work they need to work together. So, you know, sometimes it's that, but it, you know, you, you always have to deal with, I have a hitting guy. Yeah. And that's great. And what I want to do is I want to know what that hitting guy is teaching. And I want that player to, you know, if, if hey, you're, you're, you know, part of the organization, I, hey, send me some clips, you know, mm. send me some video of what you're working on, just so I can kind of keep an eye of, of what's going on. Yeah. And that way, I know when this guy comes back to spring training, if he's off compared to what happened last year, then I can go in and have a conversation and say, look at where you were when you were hitting the ball good. Look at what you're doing now. That's different. Yeah. What did you work on in the offseason? <laughs> and then maybe you don't work on that next offseason. Or maybe you get released. Yeah, your, your, the, the vision story that you that you just talked about um, reminds me of the time David Ortiz had to go to a vision specialist when he was really struggling and uh, get his uh, sight corrected. I think that was the same year where he where he destroyed the phone in Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was. I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure about that. You mentioned a point in there, though. I want to circle back um, to uh, when you said. Um, hey, this is what you might want to try to do. Hit balls, you know, to right center, um, go the opposite way, work on hitting balls hard that way. Um, or you might not have a job next year um, coming out of spring training. Knowing that there are some guys, and I think every instructor in an organization, all player development people kind of know this, that it's um, could be for some guys make or break. Um, if, you know, this is it. Um, this off season, this could be it for them. If they don't have a good spring training coming out of that off season next year, they're done. We're just going to release them. Um, how do you structure those? If anything's different here, how do you structure those meetings with professional hitters who are on the fringe of basically being released and coming out of the off season, have a month basically to prove themselves that they can um, still be in your organization and be of some value. Yeah. Usually that's not my department. So I'm not going to make any assumptions about who's coming back and who's, who's not coming back because that's, you know, that's a farm director, uh, you know, or personnel personnel. It's, you know, for me, just being a a coach, you know, a hitting coach, it's, you know, I'm going to tell you what you need to do. Now I may hear 
hey, this guy's on a short leash, you know, he doesn't do this well, he doesn't do that well. Okay, so, you know, Johnny, you need to come back. I mean, Johnny knows too, mm-hmm. right? Johnny, Johnny sees the writing on the wall, like be any, any day now. You're going to need to right. come back and make a statement and whether that's getting more physical, mm-hmm. you know, and that was one of the problems back in the day when steroids are really big. It was like, hey, you need to get yourself and all of a sudden guys would come back like 30 pounds heavy. And you're like, oh, my God, it's been three months. Like, what did you do to your body? Um, yeah. You know, so now it's, you know, you need to, you know, you need to get off to a good start in spring training. And sometimes that's very difficult. So prepare yourself. Make sure January 30th through February, you know, 7th, you are facing velocity, whether it's a machine or you're finding a pickup game or you're standing in somewhere, you need to see velocity because you can't give away your first 10 at bats when, you, when spring training comes around. And sometimes it's important, you know, just to let them know that, you know, you're not going to tell them, look, you're on a short leash, but hey, you need to, you need to come back ready to go. You, you, you know, you're not going to get 30 at bats to, to get the rust off. Yeah. Make sure you're in shape. Make sure you're in batting shape when you get back. That was a great answer. I'll tell you, I, somebody asked me recently about the Lindor trade. Would you make that trade for this organization? And I said, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know the financials behind it. I, I really <laughs> don't. I don't think I'm, I'm in the proper place to say one way or the other. And knowing Lindor's contract, I, I can't. I, I don't know if I, I can make that decision. So I like your. My point is, I like your answer there. That you said, well, it's not really my my department which you know again i'm <laughs> I feel like i'm quizzing you here and we're doing the job interview but that's that is the right answer um yeah. but i think some people might be wondering that if the if and players listening hey i'm down to my final spring training here how are my off season how do my how are my meetings supposed to go here in the off season but that was a very good answer yeah yeah the little indoor deal you gotta figure out you know i guarantee you there was communication on yeah. what is it going to take to resign you next year right do you, do you want to be in New York here? Do you, you know, is this something it's like bets, right? Let's not forget it, about right. the arbitration value too, that he, that he just mm-hmm. got paid by the Mets as well. That's something to, to yeah. Account, the Indians but, saved a ton. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I'm getting back to the topic here. Um, mm-hmm. And we're talking about um, off-season hitter meetings here, episode 38 of the podcast. Uh, let's, let's go to college now. And you were doing this as of recent. Uh, and you still do, but um, you were the hitting coach for Mizzou and, and, what were the, let me just ask you straight out. What were the hitting meetings like uh, in the off season? And I'm talking about fall ball, you know, from September to, you know, the end of October, the hitter meetings in November, and then the hitter meetings in December, that final meeting before um, leaving for winter break. What were those hitter meetings like? How are they structured? You know, in the fall, you're getting to know everyone. So mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're evaluating <laughs> and you're creating relationships with guys. And um, you know, at Mizzou, Coach Beezer, you know, really stressed staying in the zone, right? Mm-hmm. Not not chasing pitchers' pitches, you know, and so so learning the strike zone. So nothing was super mechanical, um, you know. It was a lot of it was you know make sure we're we're thinking correctly. You know, um, we had a six ball zone, you know, six and a half ball zone is how many balls or if you lined up balls across home plate. Mm-hmm. ball one closest to you ball two all the way to six and a half or so okay mm-hmm. so we would say we're going to work ball five and six today middle away that's what i want you to think about that's what i want you to anticipate and then we would we would set up you know tees and machines um, accordingly and then mm-hmm. when we would get in games you know they would still kind of have that approach yeah and then sometimes it'd be like okay now our approach is ball two to four right we want to look middle middle in um and we want to look to drive things so that's a big part of it, you know, and then getting their metrics, right? What is your, what are your swing metrics? So when I first inherited that team, their swing metrics were nowhere near where I liked them. So they were all dumping their barrel a lot. Yeah. Um, their, their barrel, their vertical bat angle was very, very steep. And their attack angle was very, very steep, meaning they were swinging up closer to 20 degrees versus 10 and their vertical bat angles were like in the negative 40. So that was, um, you know, what, that was the first thing I wanted to see. Now I didn't change anybody. I just was like, okay, wow, we, we have work to do. And then I, you know, obviously talked to the coaches about it. This is how we need to attack this. And instead of telling every player what they needed to do, I slowly just began implementing drills that would help with those numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, we would do a two T drill or I would set the, the fastball machine up 
instead of at the shins, I would set it up at the belt at a high spin rate. And if you lost your barrel and your bat vertical angle was bad, you would swing and miss at like 30 balls in a row. And they'd be like, oh, geez, this is really bad. Okay. Hey, try this. Mm-hmm. How about this move? Oh, that feels pretty good. Oh man, now I'm hitting that pitch. And then we would go back to low. So that was kind of the process. And then, you know, moving through the fall, you're, you're figuring out what, what guys do and, and, and trends and, and what kind of hitter you think they're going to be. And then when they go home in the fall, it's, Hey, you know, here's, you got to come back and earn a spot. You know, you're a freshman. We got, mm-hmm. you know, 20 freshmen and yeah. there's only five spots, mm-hmm. you know, for, for you to go, what is your role here? You know, like we had a one player, Josh is awesome. He was a good kid. Um, and Josh was fast and he created havoc on the bases and he was the worst bunter we had. He was a left-handed speed guy mm-hmm. that couldn't bunt. Mm-hmm. Like what in God's name is your value? And his exit velocity wasn't above 92. Like he wasn't a big, he was only 160 pounds, Yeah, but he could, he it was a good hitter. He hit a lot of line drives, he hit doubles, you know, he get him down the line, but it was like, you need to learn how to bunt. You need to bunt 300 balls a day when you go home you need to find a machine or whatever crank that sucker up and just bunt 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 because if you can't bunt when you come back there's no spot for you you know what i mean so right that you know it it might be a conversation like that or it might be a conversation with okay you know you need to go home and then just stay sharp you had a good fall let's build on this fall and let's get going um but a lot of that is the same you'll you know you have six uh maybe four weeks off five weeks off you don't see them this year was more because of thanksgiving and nobody wanted to the colleges didn't want guys coming back for two weeks before the semester so everybody stayed home you know because of covid so they were home for six weeks and the most important thing, uh, I think, from the coaches that I talked to this offseason, this extended offseason for college was sea velocity. Mm-hmm. Like, especially in softball, because their season usually starts a week or two earlier than baseball. It's like, don't go home and just do T work. Like, go home and, and see <laughs> some velocity. So I would personally, once I had the relationship with the players, this is what you're doing and this is what you need to work on. Remember the, these drills? Because what's your issue? And I'd ask them, well, I tend to do this, right? Yeah. Like yeah. They know the answer because I've shown them the answer on video. Mm-hmm. Here's your misses. Here's your spray chart. When you hit the ball, if it's a right-handed hitter and you're a little bit late, well, well let's go the other way. There's a, a player there that's very gifted, and he's a left-handed hitter, and he had great pull-side power. Mm-hmm. Great pull-side power, and he didn't hook. Like, great backspin, pull-side power. Yeah. And when he would go the other way, he would just – like he was terrible. Like he would just hit weak fly balls in left fielder about 300 feet, 280 feet. Yeah. And so the, the thought was you don't pull balls foul. So we don't have to worry about, about that. But when you're four inches late, you're terrible. Like when you're four inches late, you, you're like, you hit under a hundred. When you make contact at this point, you hit like 450. Yeah. So what I want you to do is move your contact point up a little bit because we tried hey i want you to hit the top half of the ball so when you hit balls to the opposite field you hit these low line drives instead of these weak fly balls well that didn't work mm-hmm. you couldn't do that so the next thing is hey let's see if we can move our contact point up don't be late don't be late and then all spring i'm like don't be late get that bad head get your stride going get your yeah. rhythm going just to change his his um uh his timing and it probably took him six months to do that and he'll be, he could be an all SEC player this year. Like this is a year later, you know, a year and a half later yeah. where he's more, he's not a freshman anymore, but sometimes it's, it's not mechanical. You know, sometimes it's rhythm and timing and knowing where you're good and where you're not good. And then minimizing the spots where you aren't good. But for a player like that, if he got a fastball down the middle early in the count or yeah. you know, the middle third of the plate a good pitch to hit and he was late and fouled it off Mm -hmm. i'd chew his ass like what are you looking for like why are you how are you late on a fastball you know you're not good when you're late Mm -hmm. you know you're not a guy that can shoot the ball down the opposite field line so what is your thinking that was the one pitch you had and you were late on it i don't know i just was i don't know i guess i wasn't thinking Mm -hmm. you just gave away that at bat yeah. probably gave away a couple RBIs too. And that pisses me off because we could have been up, you know, two nothing in the first inning. Yeah. So things like that. So you have to, yeah. sometimes players need a heavier hand and, and sometimes guys, you know, need to be coddled a little bit. <clears throat> and that's, what's fun about being a hitting instructor is you have all this knowledge and 
you you know what works and you know what works, but you're not the one in the box anymore, right? Mm -hmm. This guy's got a different personality. He sees the the game through a much different lens than you did when you played. How can we how can we get them better? And I think that's the problem with some of the hitting Twitter, Instagram stuff that's going on is you have guys that played the game. Yeah. that know what it's like and know how hard it is. And then you have guys that just say, hey, coil up and, and snap this thing. But there's so many other aspects to hitting than just swinging the bat hard. Yeah, And that's what makes a really good hitting coach. It's not necessarily being a technician all the time. It's being a, a friend. It's being a mentor. And sometimes it's being um, in a position of authority where you have to push players into being them best their about their best selves yeah great that was a yeah great great point great way to end that that part of uh thanks of, jim i appreciate the question that. that was good that was very good that was uh it wasn't bad that was it together. Ones. i was liked it i liked it i liked it a lot French roast today extra dark extra you're an extra dark guy huh oh yeah yeah i don't know i'm not i'm, not, I'm more of a uh i don't know duncan duncan donuts kind of yeah odd guy yeah yeah um you, you mentioned something in there though contact points for example you know um when hitters go home for four weeks how do you make sure because you're giving them a plan to work on for those four weeks how do you make sure that they're actually going to do it i understand and, and it's a broad question and i know that it's on them to do it but how do you make sure what can you give in those meetings that makes them emphasize what they need to work on to come back better in january and go into the season yeah i mean if they send you video that's helpful if mm -hmm. they have if they use blast mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of teams will use uh the other one diamond kinetics sure you know if they uh -huh. if they use that information and it's tied to me i can log in and see that okay i know if their bat speed is you know three or four miles an hour less than their mm -hmm. max yeah or than their pull side and their attack angle is a couple degrees less. Mm -hmm. I know that they're working on letting the ball get deeper mm -hmm. or vice versa. If we're working on getting the bat head out in front, I know if we're seeing a, a, a tick in barrel speed and then maybe a tick in, um, uh, yeah, uh, a, sorry, a tick in bat speed. Mm -hmm as well as you know a, a attack angle goes up a little bit then uh -huh. they're probably going more pull side so that's one way to check on them but honestly it's not my job to check on them right you know i mean you, they have they're 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 grown men and they need to be accountable for their actions and yeah. if they're not they don't play and, it, right. and once you get to the college level that's how it is and pro look like, if you don't play somebody else will right and that's what they have to understand they have to understand that there is somebody nipping at their heels or hey you're the guy hey take that guy's job I mean, right. we had a guy I remember when I was playing we had a freshman come in I think I was a sophomore at the time freshman came in we had an all-american center fielder a right fielder I don't know what Fry played but amazing but best one of the best players I've ever played with uh -huh. and this freshman came in and said I'm gonna take his job yeah and he said it verbally so what we did was we hazed the heck out of him and we, you know, taped him to a chair and we, you know, locked him in the bathroom for now. I'm just kidding. Yeah. What careful. Mike Leach. Careful now. That Mike Leach that did yeah. that one. Put yeah. Him the, put him in the porta potty. Yeah. Oh no, that was the Peyton Manning at Saturday Night Live. That was, that's what it was. Well, Peyton Mike Leach did something. Kid. I know, I know you're alluding to it. He, he did. did. I think it was a trailer, a trailer yeah. of some kind, but no, I mean, it's like, you know, you, you can't come in like that, but, but that's the attitude. Look, you got to take somebody's job. So you're in two yeah. positions. You know, you either got to keep your job because this guy's nipping at your heels or you're close, man. You got to take that job. Why don't you use the next six weeks on your own or four weeks on your own to take somebody's job? Sure. And it's a fine line in college because in pro ball, that's what it is. Like cutthroat. You know, I don't I don't care who that guy is. I'm in the minor leagues. Yeah. I'm going to step on his back to get to the next level. Like, yeah. I don't care. In college, you have to create an environment where it's one unit. And everybody loves each other, but you also have that dynamic where people are competing to make each other better. Yeah. But when that happens, you also have guys that get their feelings hurt. So that's a tough one, but you have to self-motivate players yeah. without alienating other players. Like, Hey, I want you to try to take his job, mm -hmm. right? If he goes home and he doesn't work hard, I need you to step up and do it. But right now you're number two on the depth chart. Yeah. I want you to be number one. Mm -hmm. I like you. 
and you're going to need to be number one for this team to be successful. And then when the other kid comes in, Hey man, he's pushing you. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't sit on your hands the next four weeks. You better come back better because he's going to come take your job. All right. You know, I'll make sure I get, I I get work done. So yeah. Oh, it's life. It's fun. It's life. It's absolutely life. Sorry. (laughs) And and that's your job as a coach is to, to, to motivate and to push and, and to love, right. Mm -hmm. And to, to create relationships where that player, you know, trusts you knowing that you're out for them. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's the great part about being a coach. You're not competing with anyone. Yeah. You're trying to make every player. And if, and if those players see that you, you are invested in them and you care for them, yeah. your, your players will do anything for you. Let's move on to um, high school hitters here and their, their meetings. Um, how do you set up their, their winter meetings? Uh, you're, you're getting a chance to work with them really after fall ball and throughout until the, the rest of um, the rest of the winter and into the spring. they're not going anywhere. They're not like pro or college guys. Um, unless they go to a different instructor. Why would they? Mm-hmm. Right? Um, yeah. What, what kind of meetings do you have with those guys and gals and, and how do you structure those meetings? Yeah, we're preparing. So, you know, the high school, it's so different, you know, yeah. high school, you know, there's a, one of my, my buddies here, you know, coaches, a, a, a high school team and he's, he's excellent, you know, yeah. and he's an invested and he's a full-time coach and athletic director. He coaches baseball and softball, you know, so he doesn't have to worry about, you know, teaching chemistry, mm-hmm. you know, during mm-hmm. the day. Yeah. And he does, he does reports. He just did analysis on all the players that were trying out and what they needed to get better with and what they needed to work on. And what they're doing now is they're, you know, they can do some, I don't know when it starts, but they can, you know, the season starts later here, especially because of COVID, but right. you know, right. they can start chipping away at those, everybody's issue so it's the same thing you have to evaluate not everybody is in the same boat okay this kid needs to do this this player needs to do this so it's it's very similar to college what what i would do as a high school coach is i would know what they're doing hey what are you doing to get better like i see you from you know because a lot of schools at least in texas they have a they have class a baseball Mm -hmm. class right all year long so from like whatever 2 30 to 3 30 every day they go to baseball mm-hmm. they lift it they lift in the morning at like 6 a.m before that doesn't count but then they can go to baseball class you know and when the weather's good the weather's good but they at least see them and evaluate them well then we see the players come into the lab at 7 30 at night and yeah. they get extra hitting in to prepare themselves so that's where i i like to have great relationships me as a as the lab owner you know not a high school coach with those high school coaches hey what do you want us to work on Hmm. is there anything specific because i don't want to have a bad relationship oh don't listen to this guy you know you need to work on this so Uh you know is it hey he needs to work on breaking balls great i want you to take you know the majority of your time today on the slider machine yeah you know or you need to see velo okay you need Uh this or he's got a barrel drop okay go in this cage with matt and work on your mechanics so that's the kind of open relationships you want to have with, with different people. Now, you know, the high school gets a little, a little iffy because a lot of high school coaches also work for facilities, at least yeah. in the state of Colorado. They've, they've kind of, it's, it, it's illegal, like in Texas, like I, I thought, I thought it was illegal here too, but so there's a lot of guys that kind of, Oh, you know, you should take lessons from these guys. And then regardless of what it is, everyone needs to be in the same boat. Right. Um, you know, and that's very, very important. I worked with a high school team the other day. It's like, uh, they were going to a showcase. And so it was 12, 13, it was 13 kids. And they pretty much, I mean, probably went to six or seven different high schools in the whole Denver Metro area. And so we were, you know, working on things. And, and one of the kids said, Oh man, this, and one of the guys plays at the, you know, a couple schools that I know. And so they're like, yeah, I showed my coach what we were working on, you know, the, the video. And they were like, so fired up about it. And then one guy was like, no, 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 no. You got to snap your wrist through. Cause this kid had a really top hand dominant. I was like, you gotta, you know, and I show him a picture of Nolan Arenado, Rich. Everybody knows Nolan Arenado here. Yep. And yep. Arenado like, doesn't roll over like ever his bottom hand or his top hand stays underneath all the way into his extension position into his follow through. So I said, you need a little bit of this because you flip a little early, showed it in slow motion. The coach is like, no, 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 you don't want to do that. Yeah. And so the kid came back, we, we had a second session and, and I was like, okay, well, yeah, that's probably the last time your coach will ever talk to you. So just don't show him anything again. Right. You know, but there's a guy that's closed minded or, you know, I, I don't, 
work at their facility, you know, yeah. or just don't <laughs> listen so to them. Right. Yeah. Right. It was, yeah. And so what it is, but that's very, very common. Like, um, you know, I mean, you had mentioned off air about uh, a guy that, you know, a, a hitting coach that, that said, Hey, you should try this. And the guy didn't listen to him. And then he went and worked with his, his regular hitting coach who told him the same thing and it was okay. Right. And that's a level of trust. And that's, yeah. that's a level of, respect that you know people need to have that coaches need to have with their players so you don't run into that before we wrap up uh, our show this week um did i miss anything in as it pertains to off-season hitter meetings just as a whole yeah i, I just no i mean I, I think as a as a coach you have to weigh the here's what you need to do to get better uh-huh. and here's what you currently do really well mm-hmm you know, yeah. you can't be too, oh man, everything's great. Don't change a thing because then they'll just be like, okay, cool, man. I, I got a job when I come back. I'm good. <laughs> or, and you also don't want to say like, oh my gosh, you got to fix this. You got to fix this. You got to fix this. And then the player goes home and is like, I don't even know where to start. So yeah. you, you have to, you know, you have to be able to um, motivate and, and give positive information at the same time you're telling them what exactly they need to work on to be better so that they can be in the starting lineup when they come back. Right. It sounds, it sounds so simple and you make it sound so simple, but it is a lot. It's really complicated. And it the is. way that great coaches can weave through is, is pretty spectacular. In my opinion, it's not easy. It will, it's why some coaches win, yeah. right? I mean, year in and year out with different players yeah. and big budgets and small budgets. There's, there's a reason why some coaches are really, really good. And it doesn't matter where they are they get yeah. the most out of their players and and that's an inherent ability it's not you can't force yourself to be somebody you're not yeah yeah all right well great stuff this week be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast new episodes every monday at 9 a.m in the morning eastern time that's in america of course the show is available on apple google spotify TuneIn radio and the app and pandora as well and our youtube page is up and running with archived episodes and clips from those episodes as well follow us on social media uh, um, our favorite platforms twitter and instagram at jim tara and um at epstein hitting and if you haven't done so already go back in the archives and um check out our uh, mechanical breakdown series episodes and follow along with the analysis just go to the epstein hitting facebook page i hope i know it's a lot for everybody but you can always, that's a great thing about podcasting. You can go back and like go like the push the 15 second reverse button and go back to listen to everything I just said, all those directions. It's very love easy. The, I love the 15 second rewind button. Yeah. And I love the 30 second um, go through too, you know. Not on this podcast though. No, I hope they don't. I hope they don't do that when we're promoting, <laughs> when we're promoting the Epstein Online Hitting Academy. That would, that wouldn't be good. Uh, it's okay. Most of them are probably members. Yeah. Um, Next week, episode number 39, we're going back to our mechanical breakdown series, volume eight. We've already done seven mechanical breakdown series. I think we have, right? I mean, that's, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to double check on that, but volume eight mechanical breakdown series next week. And we'll let you know next week who that will be. Ooh, a little suspense. Can't wait. Those are always fun. Yes. Yes. So we'll do that next week. Thank you for listening and uh, stay safe. We'll see you and talk to you very soon. Take care.